welcome to New Moon Movie Night, a moon-synced movie review show, hosted by Syrah and Neve. And now welcome Neve with the first segment. So this is a river moon. This is the new moon in Cancer. And I am always excited about the new moon, so I don't really need to reiterate that. I'm really excited about this new moon. <laughs> Min does it anyway. Uh-huh. That's my style. Um, because the new moon in Cancer is coming to us after the new moon in Gemini, in which we were, like, speaking our truths and being bold and loud and honest. And then the new moon in Cancer is inviting us to take care of ourselves and to mama ourselves a little bit. Um, and it feels kind of sweet because, um, the movie that lines up with that new moon is the obvious child. And yeah. that is, that feels nice because it's a movie about choosing to mother yourself instead of becoming a mother at that moment. Yeah. Time. Mm -hmm. A different level of coming of age, mm -hmm. which I love because we're always coming of age. You're always having to like mother yourself through a new moment. The new moon in Cancer is also coming at this moment when all of the rivers are swelling and things like roses are blooming. This is always blooming in my house. It is real, but it, for some reason this orchid is just holding on strong. <laughs> um, so this is like a really rich and ripe time as well. And mothering ourselves doesn't necessarily mean babying ourselves we can That's still hard. we can still be brave and we can still be assertive and we can still take responsibility for ourselves and challenge ourselves oh, yeah. um so we're mothering ourselves in like a mama warrior kind of way um because as we see in the world the battle's not yet won um there's too many all the time yeah. For every progress, there is regression, and that is terrifying and true. But what do we need right now more than mama wisdom? I think mama wisdom is a great remedy to uh, all of the anti-abortion criers and the yeah. gunslingers and yeah. just all that bullshit. So, New Moon Cancer is telling you to take care of you. <laughs> Nerd! That was Moon Nerd. From here on out, there will be spoilers for the movie Obvious Child. This episode contains discussions of sex and abortion. And now, here's Syra. Hi. Hi. Welcome back. Thanks. Yeah. I love you. You're so cute. I feel like we're having a very cute morning. I'm having a nice time. Yeah. Yeah. Looking, uh, it's your pick, so... Tell me about it. What are you bringing to this film that you picked? I did. I did pick it. Um, so The Obvious Child starring Jenny Slate um, based. The name is based on a Paul Simon song. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. And what I am bringing is I saw it when it came out in like 2014 um, and I was in my early mid 20s <laughs> and i felt very reassured by it um by sort of like jenny slate's characters like what am i doing i'm just farting and overwhelmed and so i i was like okay there's still time to figure out how to be an adult because at some point in the movie she says that she's almost 30 so i felt reassured by that and what I loved about it the first time that I watched it was just her humor and the way that she does stand up and the way that she does stand up dissimilarly to how stand up is supposed to be structured. Um, and yeah, I just thought it was hilarious. And I think that I like used multiple lines from it on people in my life without admitting that I was <laughs> quoting a movie because watching it again, I watched it long distance with my mom this mm -hmm. time around and watching it this time. I was like, 
oh, I said that to my mom one time or like, oh, I said that horrible thing to my uh, ex-partner. So, <laughs> OK, I'm going to need to hear more about that. When we get I will. Into it we more. will get it. We okay. will get into it. Okay. I have definitely like drunk quoted Jenny Slate in this movie and it is it's not a cute look, but. It is cute when you're just watching it in the movie. <laughs> um, so I'm bringing a lot of like mm, immaturity and like emotional uh, lack of intelligence in some ways that I felt comforted by yeah. solidarity with yeah. um, being a psycho bitch. <laughs> and then I also bring like this feeling of hope around what her lessons are kind of like towards the end that like kindness and decency actually do and can win yeah you know so i'm bringing both my like young 20 something self and my now 30 something self in a bit of an integration hell yeah yeah love and integration yeah what are you bringing i'm bringing uh very little honestly i hadn't heard about this movie until you mentions wanting to do it uh and i i think that all i'm bringing is an affection for both a24 and jenny slate that is legit as hell yeah that's all i'm bringing to this one you ready to summarize my friend <sighs> yes no yes <laughs> yes i am i mean this is not that much happens yeah, i was gonna it. say this isn't a hard one i don't think no nope. I, I think we i think we got this one okay <laughs> uh you feel good I do. You feel ready? I feel ready. Minute on the timer. It's time for that sexy 60 second summary. What? How did you do that? You just went to do it and you did it so well. I love alliteration. (laughs) (laughs) It was amazing. Okay. And Jenny Slate plays Donna Stern. She works at a bookstore and she is an aspiring semi-professional comedian. She has a best friend, Gabby Hoffman, and she has a boyfriend who we don't care about. He cheats on her with her maybe friend, although we never see that friend. Um, He leaves her for said friend. She does some stand up about it. She has a one night stand with a nice, cute guy. Her and Gabby Hoffman discover that she's pregnant. She decides she needs to get an abortion. She does stand up about getting an abortion on Valentine's Day. And then she goes to get an abortion on Valentine's Day. And the sweet man brings her flowers. And it's pretty cute. And then they have a chill time watching a movie together afterwards. And I did that in under 60 seconds. Five seconds left and that's it. That's the movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really simple one. It's definitely like definition of a uh, chill paced indie. Yeah, the like slice of life indie understated 2010s. Yeah, style. Yeah, very Garden State. Yeah, okay, that's true. It's very much. I felt that the whole way through. It's very much the child of Garden State and Knocked Up. (gasps) Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. It is for sure. Especially the whole like condom confusion scene. Very knocked up. Very knocked up. Did you take notes? I did. I did. And actually, it's pretty funny because I took notes in the form of texting my mom while we were watching it together. Great. So I also have her responses, (laughs) which I will also read. I would love to hear. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Great. So should I just read them through? Yeah, sure. Go in. Okay. I'll let you know if I have corresponding notes. Yeah, I love it. Okay. Underwear never look like they've been at the store once they're worn. That's the truest thing I've ever heard. I know. And it's the opening line. I love it. I'm like, thank you. She's like, this is not for other people's eyes. This is, it looks like it's been laid down in some cream cheese. (laughs) It's like just too much, but very true. Um, Love honest discharge talk. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. And as Jenny Slate says, I have a human vagina. <laughs> and then when she says 
did anyone think that I looked like the love child of a menorah and Natalie Imbruglia? I was very impressed. And she's like, but they're a lesbian couple and the menorah gave birth to me. <laughs> very specific humor. And I really liked that. Um, She's dating a human male. I think I just heard his heart stop beating. <laughs> um. Oh, I said to my mom, oh, she's the voice of Marcel the Shell, mama. Did you see that Marcel the Shell is getting a feature length film? No. I was screeching in the movie theater. (sighs) Screeching. Jasper was with me. That's my partner, if you didn't know. <laughs> and they were raised under a rock. So <laughs> you've said this before. I yeah, no, it's some it's a very important fact about my my seal. Uh they were raised under a rock. Uh there's a lot of cultural references you would expect them to get as a mid millennial, and they do not. Okay. Um so Marcel the Shell is one of them. I was oh. howling in the theater. Because I was just like, this isn't reality. This can't be real. This is not an A24 film that is coming out this year. And it is uh, Marcel the Shell, the feature length film. And it's an A24 film? Yes. <gasps> I don't, I, I. I'm so glad I could tell you. I was in the theater like, I hope Beast hasn't heard about this. Oh my God. Thank you so <laughs> much for telling me. That's so sweet. Yes. I'm overwhelmed. I also recently learned the overwhelming news that. My friend Mary's partner, Dave, was one of the animators on the original Marcel the Shell. Oh, man. Well, I hope Dave got some uh, funds from them adapting it into a feature. I do, too. I genuinely do. Please, let's go with your notes. I just wanted to make sure you knew that. Thank you so much for mm-hmm. sharing that. <laughs> um, I, so I said, I love her sincerity when she says, oh, you're like a we now when her boyfriend breaks up with her in mm-hmm. the bathroom and she goes, uh, uh, OK, you're a we. I was like, oh, baby, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I really felt that. I said she's got great hair. She really does. Big and wavy like me. Um the scream that she does when she's alone, she's talking to herself and then leaving voicemails. And then she just does this guttural scream too real. Um, when she apologizes for leaving <laughs> the voicemail and then says, psych, there will not be an apology message for this apology message. Um Oh, yeah. When she tells Gabby Hoffman that she looks like a les who just got back from Birthright, which I specifically thought was funny because Gabby Hoffman plays a les who goes to Birthright in Israel in Transparent, a show that we can't really watch anymore in the same way since we know what a horrible person Jeffrey Tambor is if we weren't already offended that he was playing a trans woman so i would say that gabby hoffman is one of the most worthwhile characters on that show but she does a lot of stuff that pisses me off and is kind of just like run-of-the-mill liberal bullshit (laughs) that i don't care about um the phrase i'm about to turn this bed into a fart pod has definitely lived rent free in my brain (laughs) since i watched this in 2014 i like think about it all the time i'll be in bed and i'll be like am i turning this bed into a fart pod right now and am i making it difficult for someone else to like have a good time because when i lay down because I don't walk around, I don't get all my, you know, yeah. gut juices the flowing. Gases don't flow exactly. Back that. Yeah. So it's only when I'm horizontal that it happens. It just has to release. So the the fart pod. <laughs> <laughs> then my mom said because my mom is like not a texter, and these are all me in this text thread. And then my mom cuts in with. I think I might be too old for the dysfunctional relationship humor, if I'm being honest. <laughs> and I said, ah, you might be. She's very millennial in her humor, as we were talking about millennials earlier. But she is charming. It's a quality film, though. Are you enjoying it OK? I like that actor playing her dad. My mom said, I relate better to him. And she has charm, of course. Um, you two need to know there are some kids out there who don't 
talk to their parents for months. Not my kid. That is a line that I used on my mom after seeing that movie. Um, that is something that I have said to my mother without seeing this movie. For sure. Um, and she has had that exact response. <laughs> yeah. So that was a very real moment to me uh, in my early 20s being like, I don't actually have to talk to you every single day. And my mother being like, if you want to live, <laughs> you will find a way. <laughs> <laughs> not my child exactly. my child speaks to me um so yeah i fully had that conversation yes yes me too with both my parents for sure i did say i love the dad actor he is one of my favorites yeah i love him too and i can never actually picture what i've seen him in except for everything <laughs> he's been in a lot richard kind richard kind Yep. What a face. What a face. He's like playing with puppets. He's got the voice for Muppets, you know? Like, so when he pulled out a puppet in the movie and started playing with one, I was like, obviously, this man should always have a puppet on his hand. Yeah, he looks like a Muppet. He does. In a very endearing way. And his mouth is able to, like, fully unhinge the way that <laughs> Muppets can, which I think is very impressive. He, he looks like how South Park describes Canadians, uh, which is with beady eyes and a floppy head. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I did not know that South Park said that. That is just funny, not because of Canadians. I'm sorry, Canadians. It's only funny because that description is gold yeah and it does describe someone yeah richard kind yeah (laughs) (laughs) he's a wonderful man very amusing (laughs) um i remember being excited that it was a trio of women writers uh Mm. uh creating this film about kind of abortion and modern sex of 2014 uh the humor was very 2014 i feel like it was one of the first things i wrote is that i've heard or seen a, a more recent jenny slade set and i had to remind myself this is a 2014. These bits and everything are very of the era. So that was that was a thing. I did not find the leading man attractive. I you mean the one that she gets together? Yeah, with? yeah. Yeah. I didn't either. One of my first notes about him was he was playing bongos in some scene and it was supposed to be charming. And I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> this is absolutely horrible. He has no lips and he's playing bongos and I am dry yeah i don't know why he has bongos i wish that he didn't because the combination of khaki and bongos is not okay with me but i will say that what i what i found attractive about him although i am not attracted to him Mm -hmm. physically was um his integrity and the fact that he is like a kind dude but not just that he also like stands up for himself and like when she blows him off to be with that other man who is in everything and is awful. Also awful. Yo, when she was going home with that guy, I was like, why are you doing this? You're acting like other people are going to be there. They're clearly not. I know. One man has invited you to go to a place alone. I know. Why are you framing this like you're going to go hang out with a bunch of people? That was really weird to me. I know. I know. And for context, this is a scene where Jenny Slate's already Donna Stern which I'm like Howard Stern, it's reminiscent. But uh, Donna has gone to, um, well, she's always at the same club and she's just done a set and she had told this guy that she's hooked up with and hung out with a few times and they're kind of liking each other. And she tells him about her set and he comes and then she leaves afterwards with this other guy who I think of as Paul Giamatti's eviler twin. It's David Cross. So (laughs) the the nice guy, Max, uh, shows up late for her set. So she's like about to leave the club. And David Cross is like one of the bookers or house managers or He's something another like comedian. host of the night. He's got some kind of pull on who gets to perform and things like that. So we see him uh, kind of as he's leaving, uh, inviting Jenny Slate. There's clearly yeah. some kind of flirtatious history there, though Jenny Slate Donna character Jenny Slate's character Donna doesn't seem that interested in him, but also still agrees to go to his house. 
Where she's going to be like alone and he's going to like ply her with wine. and it- Yeah. But she frames it to Max, the guy she invited. Like, oh, I'm going to hang out with a bunch of comedians. It probably won't be very fun for you. Oh, she does. She does. It really weirded me out. I was like, why would you say that? You've got one man who's waiting in a cab for you with an expectant look on his face. Oh, my God. Like, why are you? Are you lying to yourself? Are you trying to lie to this guy? Like, I didn't quite understand why she that was one of those uh, motivation moments in the movie that I was like, this is very indie movie nonsense that I don't understand. I know. I don't know why she said that. I think that she did that in a kind of self-sabotaging effort was the vibe of like, oh, this guy likes me. I might actually like him. And I do relate to the feeling of like, this person is only being nice to me. There must be something wrong with this situation. I should probably go hang out with an asshole as soon as possible. It's twisted, but I have definitely been there. <laughs> oh, yeah. My, I would, with the choice of those two, I would have gone home alone. Oh, my God. I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, <choices>. neither. <laughs> what's, what's his name? Jake Lacey or David Cross. I'm, I'm going home. Jake Lacey is the actor who played Max. I'm going home with Gabby Hoffman. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> No, I always think that uh, you said Jake Lacey. Jake Lacey plays Max, the romantic lead of this film. Jake Lacey looks like a stretched out. The kid that we like, who's Mm -hmm. British, who Mm -hmm. I always forget his name, but he's in Skins and The Greats. And he looks like a stretched out Nicholas Holt. Yes, he does. Doesn't he? Yeah. I see it. Like if you I pulled out his jaw yeah. and he was like less of a cute squirrel. If and- you left Nicholas Holt out in the Idaho sun. Yes. And had him Jake do Lacey. like labor with corn. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my like God. Like a corn fed Nicholas Holt. Yeah, totally. It, for sure. <laughs> um, just have to comment on uh, I like my men like I like my coffee. Disgusting. Her friend, <laughs> her gay man friend who yeah. does stand up as well and also seems to kind of be an MC host type person. Yeah, I fully related to that joke. <laughs> I was like, that is how I like my men. Uh, just terrible just gross like he's like with the grit on the bottom he's like weak and bitter <laughs> I loved that I laughed really hard um, after Donna fucks Jake mm-hmm. and she puts the discharge panties back on I was horrified um, I was like baby if they look like cottage cheese put them in your pocket yeah like what do you, don't do that to your holes like that's not good for your ph like get that oh away God. from there there's clearly <laughs> a lot of uh issues with that whole scenario i did like the like funny reenactments where it's like lit like an mgm musical where oh, they're she's like trying to remember whether or not the condom happened she's like here i think it went like this here you are sir one condom <laughs> He's like, thank you. And he looks to camera and smiles. That was really, that was one of the funniest parts to me. Yeah. For sure. And so apparently they did not use it, which is, I mean, condoms are a good idea. Yeah. Generally, condoms are recommended. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to be putting uh, P's and V's of any kind, human or uh, toy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Genuinely. Yeah. I think it's it's just a good idea for the... The areas with which we make discharge. Yes. <laughs> you yes. Know? pH is really important. <laughs> Keep the pH balanced. Other people's uh, discharges can fuck with your pH. That's so true. I had a friend that uh, told me once they didn't like to fuck without a condom, partially because they didn't want their pussy to smell like somebody else's dick. And I was like, that is amazing. I don't fuck enough cis men to like think about it like that. <laughs> it was a man. We had like a long talk where she was like, yeah, no, it smells like a man down there sometimes. And I was like, that's news. That's news to me. I have never had that that's happen. News. I was like, maybe the dicks you're fucking are different. I don't know. It's like that song. The one that's what like, <laughs> was there a song about discharge exchange that I missed? No, the one that's like. Why are you coming home five in the morn? 
Something's oh, right. going on. Lena Can I smell your dick? Yeah, I love that song. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I mean, you could. It's true. You it's know, true. Anyway, it's true. this is it's a very raunchy <laughs> podcast. This episode, um, which we will never apologize for. Nope. I will say that my favorite moment of her stand-up even though it's the least stand-up-y moment is when she says that she wants to murder Suey <laughs> her ex-boyfriend I and have... girlfriend I mean his girlfriend um yeah that whole sad sack like speech I was I was here for it the depressed set yeah where she was like drunk and losing it a little bit yeah yeah, I I would have laughed. Um but I'm also the kind of person that's in a in a small comedy space when someone's like semi bombing, I'm like laughing at the scenario. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. Yeah. The I... discomfort of watching someone bomb <laughs> is actually very funny to me. So that that alone made it amusing. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's definitely a bombing moment. This now brings us to the time that I said a toxic thing to someone. Okay. Um, that is uh, inadvertently a quote from this movie. Okay. Um, which it has to do with the the blonde pussy part. Um, I can't quote exactly what I said because it is like. It was genuinely harmful. Yeah, um, yeah, and and I own that, and I take accountability for that, and I think that that's kind of, for me, the underlying message of this movie is that like that stuff does have costs, even yeah. if you're like a funny guy and you're making jokes about everything, like saying toxic stuff about people when you are up on stage does impact their real lives and does impact people's feelings, which. Maybe the film wants you to think or not, but it it resonated for me watching mm. it like 10 years later being like, oh, yeah, actually, I don't think it's as cute as I did when I first saw it. And yeah. I think why I thought it was cute when I first saw it was because I felt seen Yeah, because I was like, oh, my God, I'm that crazy. Also, I have said things like I want to murder suicide myself and us and. Did you like do you like her blonde pussy more than my dark pussy or something along those lines? And like and it felt reasonable at the time because it was like, oh, this is something that a comedian has said in a film in which we are trying to represent a slice of life. And therefore, this is a realistic thing. And so everyone is used to it. Whether or not they're used to it, that's not true. It's still harmful to say those kinds of things to people, no matter how insecure and sad and like a victim you're feeling in the moment. Um, So that's my like funny, but also kind of sad story about that. Yeah. (laughs) I I was on the fence if the movie was trying to say that or not, honestly. Mm. If it was was trying to actually pass any kind of judgment on Donna's like habit of doing that, of like, Putting off saying something that, and I, I definitely identify with that in a way as like a, a creator where it's like sometimes easier to, in your performance, in your art, in the moment of passion, say what the fuck you're thinking, say what's going on with you than it is to just like sit down and have a conversation with another person. Like, right. there are definitely times where that feels a lot harder. But I couldn't tell if the movie was trying to say she shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this, or if it was just some people do this. Mm. Because in the end, and the reason I say I wasn't sure uh, is because at the end, Max didn't actually ever confront her about that being an issue. Well, Max didn't, but that's because she, the the murder suey thing she said about her boyfriend. Yeah. And he did. He said, it's weird that you, he's like, our relationship has not been in a good place for a long time. Yeah, it's gross that he cheated on her. But I also think that he has a valid point about like, it's hard when we're not talking and then you go up and talk about our life. And yeah. so in that way, even though we're supposed to not like him, that did feel like a little bit of an indictment of like the style of comedians and performers that we all get used to where we're like, 
we're going to blow up your shit that is maybe vulnerable. And like, if you're a more private person, Mm -hmm. sorry, because I'm not, you know, and I'm just going to make it public. So that was that part. But with Max, I felt like, yes, she did reveal this thing, but she's like, it was in a shout your abortion style. So she was like telling her own story of like, I'm going to get an abortion. And all she said about him at that time was that he was very nice and a kind stranger and that she hopes to see him again and stuff. So I feel like he didn't really get the brunt of the abusive stand up. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't, it was never because the dude that did say something to her was the cheater, right? Yeah. So it's like arguably, she didn't have good boundaries being a stand-up and someone's partner, right? right? And then he cheated with her maybe friend. So on the, like, on the levels of trust-breaking, like, where are we at here? Right. If you're in a monogamous relationship and you fuck somebody's friend, that is arguably more of a betrayal than someone oversharing on stage and being a bad communicator off stage. Yeah. Uh, So it's, like, and Jenny the character Donna didn't seem to be reflecting on that part mm. that much, especially because at the end she did go up and talk about the abortion to a crowd before talking about the person that helped create the baby. You're right. It is like ultimately like this is a way to share your feelings is through stand up confessionals. Yeah. Um, and I agree. It's like it's a personality type thing where it's like, yeah, if you are a very private person, you probably shouldn't date up a stand up. Um, it's probably not going to work out because you have very different feelings about sharing and relationships and all those kinds of secrets and yada yada. And they are going to tell stories about you. They are. They are going to tell <laughs> stories about you. It's part of how they move through this world. So I think that was also like something that I don't know if, if the character Donna fully realized about her and her ex yeah is that maybe they were ill-suited right and like maybe they it wasn't it wasn't ever gonna work if he doesn't like the fact that she's gonna talk their business yeah on stage and he's not able to be like hey talk to me about this off stage his answer is to fuck her maybe again maybe friend as you said it's framed like she fucked her friend but the friend is never spoken to or a, or like referred to as if there were care there at any point. There's like a couple scenes where Gabby Hoffman kind of says like, fuck her. She's a bitch. Yeah. So it seems like ne- the character Nellie, Donna's friend, knew her too. Yeah. Like she was a mutual friend. Right. Or, or at least like someone they would get drinks with or something. So I kept kind of anticipating a scene of her trying to reach out to the woman if she knew her right but it it was more handled like he fucked a stranger that she like knew her name yeah you're right it didn't feel very that didn't feel very set up and and as is often the case when I see something a while ago and then watch it again and decide that I still like it yeah I sometimes will like give its message more credit than it maybe has that is to me kind of just the magic of art though is that like you also uh you know like a message from god you receive from it what you need in the moment you're just like oh yeah that's what this is about cool i mean that's why we that's why you frame it as what you're bringing to the movie right it's, it's all about with any piece of art like you're saying it's about what you need. It's about what you're looking for. It's about the frame of reference you have about the world in your life, the context yeah. of why you even want to be engaging with this piece of art in the moment. All those things will affect what you get from it for sure. I feel like I saw maybe less so than it being a full criticism of her doing that style of stand up. Mm-hmm. I saw more so like the invitation of a new trend happening Mm -hmm. in her life Mm -hmm. that like maybe she was going to be maybe she's moving in a direction of being less defensive of being a little more mature of accepting care and giving care and then therefore doing stand-up that reflects the presence of those things in her life um and i just kind of felt that because of the way that she doesn't make fun of him mm-hmm. make fun of max for the little things that he does that are caring like when he which i did think it was very cute when he warmed up her butter for her at the restaurant and she was like 
that's really nice. So I was like, that's cute that you liked that. And then and when they're on the couch and he's like, do you want to put your feet up? And he takes her feet. Like, I, I loved all that stuff. I thought that was cute. I liked the, the feet thing, the cuddling couch thing. Yeah. The butter thing, I definitely had the thought of, wow, her bar is in the ground. Like, the bar is so low. I did have that thought as well. <laughs> if you were touched because he lightly warmed your butter, like, the bar is in Hades. Um, it's very easy to get over it because she's been with that man who didn't I mean maybe he was nice at one time but he did not seem very nice (laughs) and yeah I mean if he's willing to break up with her in the bathroom of the bar she's like doing stand-up in while he's he's also looking at his phone yeah he's like texting the he's going to meet the person that he's been cheating on her with like that doesn't seem like there's been much kindness left for a bit uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I was like, the bar is low. This man is a squashed Nicholas Holt who is a tech bro who wears loafers. Um, I'm so soft. I'm soft and dry. Like, it's not, it's not doing it for me. Um, but I appreciate it. I think Degrassi is genuinely the only other place where I've watched an entire scene of someone in the office of like an abortion clinic, mm-hmm. like fully speaking to a nurse about the risks and the benefits and the procedure process, like genuinely an episode of Degrassi is the only other place. I have not actually seen Degrassi, but I, I hear references to it enough that I feel like I've been swept up into the whirlpool of it. I mean, when Drake became a mainstream actor, Degrassi just became part of the zeitgeist. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's, it's fine. I mean, I love it, but it's a trash teen show with a lot of special topics. Yeah, I feel like my special trash teen show of choice is definitely Skins. And so I just like rewatch Skins all the time. If you want something fresh, it's like a more wholesome Canadian Skins. At least a couple seasons are on Netflix. I think the abortion episode, the most recent one I'm thinking about, is on the Netflix version that came out a few years back. Um, And it has a character, yeah, fully going to the doctor, fully talking about her options. Um, And so I appreciated the movie for that, for having time and space to do that. Yeah, I will say, too, I think that is like an important part of the reason why I chose it this month was because I was really trying, you know, we have this scary moment in the country where the Supreme Court is threatening to completely overturn Roe v. Wade, right? And um, I think having grown up with the assumption of Roe v. Wade and then also living in cities where I Mm -hmm. did have uh, not easy, easy, but like easier than many um, access. In a major city, it's, you know... It's a transit problem usually. It's a money hours, problem. Money problem, hours in the day problem more than it's a where is the place? Can I is there anywhere in my county kind of problem? Right. And like will I get in trouble? Will the doctor get in trouble yeah. in some kind of direct yeah. or indirect way? Right. Will I have to negotiate the reason why I want it? Will I have to argue with nurses? Will I have to? Yeah, all that stuff is less of a problem when you're in a major city. For yeah, sure. yeah. And so just it hasn't necessarily like touched me throughout most of my life as like a a thing I felt scared of losing access to. And now because we know that it's going to go to stateside I still am like, okay, I'm I am pretty sure I'm in a state where I will still have access to it. But that really it is really not okay for people all over the country. And it's not okay to have to worry about crossing state lines to be able to get this thing that is literally just a very simple, not super invasive if you're doing it early and if you're doing it late, you're doing it because you have to. Because it's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And because you haven't been able to get there earlier. It's literally exactly. like, a, I mean, reproductive justice is disability justice. Yes. It's literally. Yes. It's uh, about bodily autonomy mm-hmm. and about self-determination in the exact same ways. And this state's right shit is is the scariest, slipperiest slope yep. to me. Uh, if only because you look very closely in our history, not too far back. And uh, owning human beings was a state's rights 
problem within this country and the breadth of difference from state to state of what can and can't be allowed creates such uh it creates a fucking tidal wave of things like gay rights yep like Trans rights, women's rights, (laughs) women's rights, like all these things that are essential to the safety of such huge swaths of the population, ourselves included, (laughs) especially ourselves. Yes, (laughs) we are in those swaths of the population and multiple overlaps of those fucking (sighs) Venn diagrams. Uh, It becomes such a choice of where you can go within the country. Yeah. Um, And where is safe for you to be? And that is exhausting to think about that coming back into the day-to-day realities of us and so many fucking others. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's like, it is really, I'm feeling it in my eyes and chest and face right now. Um, So, although, I mean, there's just not a lot of movies that are like, this is a movie in which we're having an abortion. Um, either as a casual side note or as a main plot point. There are not a lot. And so I do enjoy this movie for that because it's not necessarily the crux of the decision making. It's Mm -hmm. not like she has to, you know, toil and suffer and like go through a lot of different scenarios in order to, choose it she doesn't feel necessarily or we don't see her being tortured by the decision it's never an easy decision to make because making a decision to change anything on your body is never an easy decision but the point is that it is your body it is your body before it is the body host of another being that is coming to live inside you anybody It feels terrible to have to feel like you have to say this, but people with wombs who are able to give children are autonomous human beings. Yep. They are not vessels. They are not tools. Yeah. They're not objects. They're human beings that should have a right to, to decide whether or not they go through the incredibly dangerous and arduous process of pushing another human out of their body or having another human cut out of their body. And no one is threatening to make vasectomies illegal, you know? Well, we know that it has so much to just do with the idea of of women and those who can give birth as, like, chattel. Right. As slaves. Yeah. Yeah. Their bodies are chattel, and they should be pushed to do what they are, quote-unquote, made to do. Yeah. Uh, Because they are not just trying to make make abortion illegal. They're trying to make it more difficult to access other kinds of birth control as well. So across the board, they want to make pregnancy more of a mandatory state for those with wombs, Um, which is horrifying to think about that there are people with like lawmaker ability that believe this, that genuinely think this is the way things should fucking be. Yeah. I, Especially because then there is this fake argument that it is like protective of children where it's like if that were the case, then there would be children's rights and children's protections for children to be allowed to not be abused or abandoned Mm -hmm. or homeless Mm -hmm. or like all of the things. And I know I'm not the first and I probably won't be the last to say this, but all the people that are out here shouting about like pro-life bullshit, children protect the children bullshit they're also the same people that are happy to abandon children to like situations where there is no clean water to situations where there is like active violence in terms of the state sanctioned violence of separating children from their parents, um, both when it comes to immigration and just when people are poor. Um, And instead of supporting people to be able to take care of their children, the state would rather take them and then put them into other violent traumatic situations. So, the idea of, of protect the children has always been a smokescreen has always been bullshit. in so many of these right wing movements. Yeah. Ooh, let's do a little. <laughs> so back to the film, which oh actually shows a beautiful de- uh, depiction of how uh, simple it should be to right. just be like, look, I'm not equipped for a baby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't have to have this baby. Right. Um, and so I won't. Yeah, so I think the other thing I I appreciated 
among the depiction aspects that I think were really positive in this movie, it showed uh, Max, even though I couldn't stand him, uh, <laughs> kind of coming to accept that it was Donna's choice, like very quickly, in a way that I did not expect from this like tech bro and loafers character uh, to just be like, well, it is your call. Um, which is, I think, the message that really is the center of the film and the thing that needs to be hammered hard, sadly, into a lot of people that it really should be allowed to be the person's choice who is going to have to do this bearing for months and months and have to deal with the chemical and physiological changes their body is about to go through if they want to do this baby making thing. Also Um, giving birth. Have you heard of it? It's very painful. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Like mother fucking like the fatalities of mothers and children is still a thing in giving birth. Like we do live in the future. We are full of technology. Yes. Yes, yes, but and like infant mortality is still a thing, like maternal mortality. I don't know the right word for it, but like women dying in childbirth is still a thing that happens. And black women at a much higher disproportionately rate. happening to black and brown women. Mm-hmm. But it's possible for any woman because, yes, you are genuinely ripping a hole in your body and letting a new life out into the cosmos. You are giving a hole. I touched it like barely. Ah, uh, I know you. Uh. <laughs> It was like barely. It was a a stroke. (laughs) It's like don't come near me. (laughs) It's my body, my (laughs) choice. Mike out, and we're back. Um. So yeah, I guess I was yeah. As you were saying, it's it's a possibility with anybody to die in childbirth. So for a person who is contributing sperm to the situation and not being the place where a baby is gesticulating uh, probably the wrong word uh, gestating I there like, it is but eventually they do gesticulate they will as well m- move their limbs <laughs> in there as well uh but yeah gestating and then gesticulating inside of their body yes <laughs> for that person it is their choice because having the ability to do that makes you in control of that process. I'm sorry, I'm yelling, but it should make No, you it really is important. In control of that process and not seen as somebody who is somehow weak or can't make a decision because your body can do this genuinely magical act of calling a soul into the world. Um, yeah. So Max just lets it be her choice, even though she does deliver the news in a way that would, I think, reasonably make someone uncomfortable. Uh, I agree that... (laughs) Alarmed. Yeah, you know, I agree that she doesn't make fun of him, but that doesn't make the news being shared in that way, something that couldn't potentially... Like, for me, I would be very uncomfortable. Yeah, I would too. I wouldn't know how to, like go be there for that person literally the next day when it's like we've seen each other so much that was a comment that my mom said where my mom was like he is a little bit of an unbelievable combination of kind intelligent funny and understanding yeah he is kind of able to just kind of like meet her tit for tat and like negotiate around the weird stuff she's doing even when it involves removing himself briefly from the equation. But I'm just like, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe he just feels really good all the time. That would be cool, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess I had to assume that he's just like yeah, an un, unrealistically emotionally mature 20 something year old man. In contrast to her realistically immature 20-somethingness. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's like she is a very realistic mess for being a 20-something. He wears loafers and button-ups all the time. Um, To go to, like, dive bars. Genuinely a dive bar. (laughs) The first time I thought it was supposed to be because, oh, he said he was there after work and yada yada, but then every other time she sees him, he's in more or less the same outfit. But then also he he also knows her mom is yeah. like a random aside where it's like her mom is a professor of business. Business. I guess. Yeah. And and he thinks that she's a genius. Yeah. Business genius. Yeah. I really. Uh, 
it did remind me a little bit. My mom's not a business person, but it did remind me of my mom. And I laughed and I told my mom this when when the mom is like, I didn't have anything to do. So I made a spreadsheet of all of the possible job opportunities and school and all of these different things. And she's like, you're wasting your 780 like writing score on this crap and talking about poop and whatever. And I was like, my mom has said similar things to me for sure. That mom did. My mother is a neuroscience mom uh, more than a business mom. Uh, But in terms of being like a highly academic person who pushed me to be very academic and then is like, what are you doing out here doing this artsy fartsy shit? Talking about my English SAT scores and shit like that was very relatable the father was unrelatable to me like he was so sweet and perfect and I was like I have never known a parent like this he Uh, was so sweet and perfect I loved the part when she like made a weird face at him and he's like oh you're so pretty and she's like are you proud of me (laughs) their rapport was so cute uh do you have any final notes yeah let me see I think my final final note um was that I hated that their bonding film was Gone with the Wind. Okay, the I hated that as I well. I hated that so... It left such a sour taste in my mouth at the end of otherwise a very sweet film. I was like, how are you both going to be excited to watch Gone with... You're both 20-somethings in 2014. Like, I guess this is supposed to make us be like, oh, they're both old souls, really. But I hated it. Because then I'm like, what are you both being wistful for racism? Like, what are we doing? I don't know. I was trying to think about because Gone with the Wind is one of the many. I feel like I've had the misfortune of like watching so many like Turner classic movie type things because those were things that my white family emphasized as being important and classic and whatever. Um, And I feel like I hope that is less true for many other people um but some of them are good gone with the wind is not at all one of my favorites especially because of how it's entirely centered around as we were saying states rights the south's yes. ability to hold on to their slaves yes um, and this one woman being very sad that she might have to give up her slaves yeah literally um it does have like an incredible performance by the one black woman in it who um i think she got an oscar for supporting actress or something like that like i think that's true anyway um we'll we'll double check and circle back um but anyway i was trying to think about the themes of that movie and was like is there a secret theme that they're referring to that is better than what i think it is but no not really at all it doesn't makes sense as a movie to end with especially because that specific Paul Simon song mm-hmm. Obvious Child which is basically about like aging and mortality and like dealing with growth and maturity and immaturity and whatever which makes sense for Donna Stern's arc um, but it's performed with Banda Ologunde, which um, means gods of gods. And they're a uh, samba reggae, like, Brazilian band. And so all of that drumming that you hear in the beginning when they're dancing in the Mm -hmm. room, which, although I didn't like the bongos, I did enjoy them dancing. I did like that they, like, got together and danced before and after having sex. I thought that was pretty cute. But I was like... I don't know. Banda Alugunde is like a very like black power, people power, activism around human rights in general, like music collective that is like very Afro centered. So it felt weird that they like highlighted that song. Right. And then ended with Gone with the Wind is like very dissonant. Yeah. Yeah. That that is very dissonant to me. Hattie McDaniel. Hattie McDaniel is the is the actress that won Best Supporting Actress from Gone with the Wind, playing a slave, mm-hmm. uh, playing you know to the Academy at the time the idyllic, yearning, sad slave that would miss her mistress. Yep. Um. Yep. The uh, the friendly, happy, darky, ma- yeah, mammy character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much mammy archetype. Mm-hmm. Uh. So to have, so that was kind of my first thought was like. Wait, 
I now like both of these white people a lot less if we're saying that they <laughs> love Gone with the Wind. But they're saying neither of them have seen it. They don't love it. Okay. They don't know it. That's what they say is they're okay. like, oh, gone. Like, they're like, she's joking, like, oh, I hate romantic movies or whatever. And then he's like, Gone with the Wind is on. And she's like, I've never seen it. And he's like, me neither. And then he says, like, do you want to watch it? And she's like, yeah, I do. But it's like 10 hours long, which is true. Um, and then they decide to watch it, even though it's long. And so they haven't seen it. But also any any given person watching this movie probably has or at least knows what it's about. Yes. So whether or not they love it, it is still like a weird choice. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, yeah, I definitely misremember them as, as both saying they loved it, but I agree. Even in, even in referencing it at all, you're bringing up this very specific, like racist, classist, fever dream of a movie mm -hmm. um, that yeah it was considered a classic by so many because of its topics and its centering of like a sad white lady in the midst of this like very real uh, war mm -hmm. around owning human beings um, yep so Ooh. yeah I'm like what are they gonna do sit together and decide whether or not they enjoy this uh, <laughs> film Uh <laughs> But I get I get it. They picked it because it's a long movie and they wanted to show them committing to the length of blah, 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 blah. Right. I just think there could have been a, a better pick. You know, right. you got to pick Casablanca. You know, there are plenty of movies that are still fucked up from that time. Period. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> long journeys. Commitment. Friendship. You know, there's lots. There's lots, there's lots there. Um, OK, I think that's me. Note wise. Yeah, I have one cute. I'll show this to you. This is um, a drawing that my mom did while she was watching it. So she drew a close-up of Jenny Slate's face. Jenny Slate with a microphone talking. Um, a close-up of maybe her friend or maybe David Cross. I can't really tell. <laughs> I hope but she didn't draw David Cross. I don't think she did. I think it's her, I think it's her friend. And then um, a... A cool kind of square, almost like Moomin type hippo with a bow on it that she told me, my mom told me, was a drawing of Max, the character. <laughs> She's like, I think that the hippo creature is Max. I was like, that's cool. <laughs> and I, my mom really captured Jenny Slate's nose very beautifully, and I told her so. And she said, thank you. I like her nose. So... Uh, the only interesting production fact I could find was that this movie was made in like a crazy short amount of time. Oh. Of course, now I've put it away, so it's going to take me a moment to uncover it. That's okay. I'll um, I'll shout my story in the meantime. Um, I have never had a full abortion, I suppose, but I have taken had to take plan B a couple of different times. And that in and of itself is an experience for sure. And I will just say that, you know, there's so many ways that you can be exposed to sperm when you don't mean to be. My situation, one of them was that I had a condom just that stayed in there. It That's just, why I had to take plan B. Oh my God, it's a thing. It's a thing. The person's... uh. I'm going to be vulgar. Yep. We were a vulgar podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, the person's cock I was riding was mm -hmm. too thick for the condom. Mm -hmm. If you are a person with a cock and you're like, whoa, these condoms don't fit. Guess what? They make condoms in different sizes. You can find one that fits. Um, so this person often had the issue of it. either it was good for their girth, but too long, mm. or it was long and skinny and like mm -hmm. couldn't fit over their girth. So it popped off. In mm -hmm. me, I, I got off to switch positions. I looked down. The condom was gone. Yep. Um, and then the rest of my afternoon was trying to get it out of me. Mm -hmm. uh, it did involve having to go to my gyno. Uh, oh, wow. Because I was so tense and freaked out that I couldn't, like, get myself to, like, and, like, let my pussy relax. 
enough to pull it out of me. Um, so <laughs> we had to get help. That is so real. Um, and then I so took plan real. B because I realized I had had a condom in me for like most of an afternoon. Yeah, it's like, oh, I have just incubated. Yes. I actually, the part that was on the actual genital, I actually just kept warm for a long period of time. Yeah, it was 36 hours later for me, and I didn't know that it was in there because we both looked for it at the time when it disappeared. And so I figured it must have, I don't know what I thought. I was like, it must have slid off and it's in the bed somewhere. But then 36 hours later, I was just peeing and... And it popped. And I peed it out. And so I will say that is that is also a Broad City episode where where Abby pees out a condom and is horrified. And I was like, yep, that's a real thing. That's yeah. A real thing. The doctor was kind of like, it would come out eventually. And I was like, get it out of me now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who cares? I was like, listen, we're here. So you're yeah. going to take this out of me <laughs> is what we're going to do. Um, <laughs> so obvious child was shot in 18 days. Whoa. Which is a crazy short amount of time to shoot a feature film. Yeah. But it makes sense. This is like, you know, probably less than a dozen locations. Very chill actions. A lot of just people talking to each other. Yeah. So cool. That is cool. I liked it. I like that. Okay. Uh, you trying to rate this film? Yeah. Um, what are we rating it out of? Oh, my God. That's a good, good question. Um so I, I always like the highest number is seven and the noun, the object is good. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm like, should it be condoms or bongos? Definitely condoms. Okay, great. So out of seven condoms. Out of seven condoms, what do you rate it? Um, I give it. I give it like a pleasant four. for for condoms i would say like for what it is as a film it it does everything correctly and it is fun and sweet and i think that there is some substance lacking in certain areas and so that's where i am deducting points but in terms of my own enjoyment i'm like 10 out of 10 i like it i like watching it but in terms of like my my condom rating, especially since they did not uh, secure their condom, <laughs> we are at four con- four out of seven condoms. <laughs> hear that? Hear that? I have. Mm, I'm gonna give it a three. Okay. I'm gonna give it a three. Uh, I it gets a three for it's like sticking to its messaging, kind of making its point really strongly. I think. Um. It only got a three, I think, because I wouldn't, I don't think I'd watch it again on my list of 2010's, uh, you know, whisper core slice of life movies. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't rank super high for me. Uh, yeah, if I'm in, in the mood for that, I think it's a great rebuttal to Knocked Up, mm. um, which is one of my favorite things about it. Knocked Up came out in 2007 um, and the director of this film who's also a woman this is her first feature film Gillian Robespierre uh she directs a lot of tv now from what I could find out uh she made a short film of this in 2009 so it is even more of like a direct response the story to her feeling like uh unexpected pregnancy wasn't being like shown in like a thoughtful or like gentle way uh, which was true because uh, it was fucking Seth Rogen and what's his face? I can't remember right now and I don't care. Judd Apatow. Yeah. Catherine Heigl. Yeah. Judd Apatow movies were the only place that were kind of doing this, that and like Juno and the movies that were talking about unexpected pregnancy weren't acknowledging abortion as even really an option. No, um, I know. Even in Juno, which yeah. is funny because it's like she is. A the child. character is 16. The child. Yes. Yeah. And we're supposed to believe that like after a few seconds. She's done with the idea of abortion entirely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Jillian Rhodes, I really like big ups to her for, for making this story in response to a lot of others not uh, wanting to engage with the reality and the complexity of the situation. But yeah, definitely not my favorite. Very white. Very like 
wasn't into the lead guy, didn't really love their rapport. Uh, yeah, I liked I liked Donna's rapport with all her friends way more than I did with Max. Um, so it wasn't a super compelling romance for me in that lane. Word. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Three and four condoms, yeah. which when you add them together is send seven condoms. So <laughs> seven out of 14 condoms. Yeah. So like a, a solid 50%. <laughs> I don't know if we've done that kind of math before. I don't know. Sure. I just decided to do that math randomly because we're talking about lots of overwhelming stuff and numbers are fun. <laughs> All right. That's us. See you next moon. Yeah. Thanks to the South Seattle Emerald for their support. Head to SouthSeattleEmerald.com to read Neve and Syrah's review of this Moon's movie. Give us five stars and subscribe to New Moon Movie Night on Spotify. Head to Anchor.fm slash mouth to leave us a message. Suggest a film, ask a trivia question, let us hear from you. See you next New Moon.